Okay, good morning, folks. Whichever network, whichever app you're on, whatever it is, I'm here. <laughs> it's another Saturday. And these are the, this is the type of weather, because I've been in Florida about 20 years now, uh, which is a small part of my whole life. But anyway, uh, where I'd run into people and I'd say, you know what, I think I'm going to move to Florida. It's too cold here. And they look at me like, you are in Florida. I said, really? Anyway, we're a big state. Warmer as you get further south. We're in the central. I like it that we get that crisp feeling. I wouldn't want to be up north where you can freeze your pipes certain times of the year if it gets cold enough. But we'll see what happens here as we keep growing. We're going to generate enough heat from the BS that comes from all the people talking, anyway, <laughs> including myself. So this Saturday, as things keep heating up, because this is like a, a funny countdown. It's like, you know, you invited certain guests. You really didn't want them. And they decided not to leave your house. This isn't two and a half men. This is one half an idiot who isn't so stupid. He just got in there, and he's been searching around to see which dishes he could sell, what furniture he could sell, what parts he could mortgage so that he can then walk away from paying that mortgage. Because Donald Trump announced to the world this is all he is. He's a debt king. And by debt king, he doesn't mean he knows how to use debt. He knows how to abuse debt. You know, there are people who say, oh, I understand women, men. And they say, yeah, I know, yeah. They understand how to charm them at the beginning. And too many women don't look under the hood to see what's really there. <sighs> we all get what we pay for, as they tell us. And as far as I'm concerned, I didn't pay for him. And I got him from way before he was in the White House. So the subtitle for today's show is It's Our Money, Our Money, and We Need It Now. As I've explained to everybody who listens to me, and that includes when I'm walking around a supermarket or streets and talking to people, the federal government doesn't sell anything. I mean, don't get me wrong, they may sell off scrap here and there, a piece of land, that they want to broadband and make a few billion dollars because technically we control transmission in our country. But they're selling off stuff we own or they've acquired, including the country, because we've paid for it. Uh, <laughs> I don't need people telling me that we may have stole the land from the Indians or whatever. But the bottom line is that the U.S. government operates because the U.S. population puts money in there for the budget. They're allowed to have a deficit. We aren't at the state and local level, yet we are the parents. We fund our children called the nation. We put somebody in charge because we feel it's smarter, and this was way back with the founding fathers. It's smarter to have one person in charge of 13 states at a time then wait for 13 of them to vote while we get bombed or something. Same thing as we grew into a country, as the country grew bigger, you still need someone who knows what our laws and rules are and to be the executive. What I also keep te teaching people is, 
You can pick the greatest executive in the world. Put him in that chair. He's brilliant. He understands government. And he can be helpless if you don't give him the tools he needs. Now, the tools is a Congress that at least listens and cooperates. And way back from the third year of the first term of Barack Obama, and it goes back further than that, we had a Republican-controlled Congress that wasn't cooperating with the president. And in fact, if you go back and look at interviews during the last four to six years of Obama, you'd have people like Mitch McConnell looking at, well, he could have done that in the first two years when he had control. Those people are saying to you that they don't give a shit what happens to you. They care about what they can do that they feel is important. Now, they're not our president. We didn't elect them. They're a guy who was maybe elected from Kentucky, minor part of the population. Don't get me wrong when I see stupid things like uh, the southern states and the rest of it, uh, maybe they'll secede from the union. Now, first of all, that's not so easy. A lot of people have thought about that before. Second of all, it makes less sense if you really understand what built this country. But my first answer to them is, sure, secede from the country. First thing I would do if you wanted to secede from the country is send you a bill for the overpayment that we made of federal funds that went back to your states. Because in general, it's been understood for years that the East Coast and the West Coast, which they look at like those business people and those Democrats and those radicals, we sent more money to the federal treasury than the other states. That also happened in the north, in the Illinois area, the major production areas before we had industrial revolutions and then uh, things that shut down. So the people who contributed to the building of the country monetarily, I'll send them a bill because we advanced them funds for the highways they have and other things, airports. Send it back to us. We gave you money for education. If you want to educate yourself to be stupid and you think that you're just going to walk away from us because we're not letting you tell us what to do, there's this principle that you've heard about. It's called minority control. Mainly the Republican Party, and again, I've told you, my two favorite presidents when you go back in history are Abraham Lincoln and uh, Dwight Eisenhower. I didn't want to add, but now that people have been discussing it more, Truman, when he took over from FDR, that man, first year he's in office, he's got to decide whether to drop a bomb that he knows is going to kill a tremendous number of people. But he also knew that that bomb was going to save a tremendous number of Americans and allied forces that were sailing toward Japan and told to hold off till we made this decision that we would have lost many, many lives in more of a battle. So the point was we were attacked in Pearl Harbor and now we're going to openly attack them and tell them we're going to do this unless you surrender. We dropped leaflets. We're saying we got this new crazy bomb and you know what? <coughs> the Japanese as well as the Germans as well as the Russians during World War II and before World War II, 
Espionage was a major game that all the major nations played, even some of the minor ones. So they knew we were working on this project. In fact, anybody who reads history will find out that the Soviet Union had the atomic bomb as soon as we did. That's because they already had people embedded in Los Alamos in our Manhattan Project. So they knew what the hell we were doing. You may want to call it secret, but it wasn't secret from those people who were already embedded in it because they wanted to keep after us. Just as this scandal that just broke, let me applaud the Russians. I understand I've talked about the KGB uh, and Putin's part of it. They have over-brainwashed themselves that we are their enemy. So they never stopped. And when the curtain fell down, you didn't see a migration of people who were in cells here in the United States close up their house and move back to the Soviet Union. So they still have their channels. They didn't give them up. Anyway, when you understand what's going on, we want to keep at the leading edge because they're always stealing whatever the hell we're making. And you know what? We do our espionage too. We keep track of them. If we don't, we're fools, okay? Because people in general are not trustworthy. You have to make sure you know what they're doing so they know you're watching them, so they know not to do something too stupid while you're watching them. So when I said, it's our money and we need it now, as a trained economist, as a business person, as a numbers person, as a human, I have watched growing up in a working class household where we didn't always have money to put dinner on the table. Uh, depending on the weather, my father worked when it was good or bad because of what he did at uh, certain times. Even though he was a skilled laborer, he was a mason at one point. But the point was, he had to go out there and you'd borrow from the local groceries and stuff because they knew you'd pay him back. Uh, that all disappeared when we got into bigger things and credit cards and whatever. So the money that we send to the federal government, it's our money. They're not selling candy bars. They're not selling muffins. In fact, we just trust them to run that umbrella that we call our national government. That national government gives them the safety and security for all these businesses to build up within our free society so that they can make money. So that person who comes up with a new invention doesn't mean he's smarter than anyone. You know, if you came up with windows, and I don't mean the one from Microsoft, and people were tired of the breeze blowing in, wow, you came up with a product that everybody wants. Same with the computers and the change to that. So life moves on. But the money that's sitting in Washington, that these people are deciding when they're going on vacation, because they have food on their table, uh, they need their break. Break from what? People are starving. People are homeless. It's not a joke. We have too much coverage nowadays. You can see it on your TV. In fact, we're at a point where you could just about tune in to what you want anywhere in the country, in the world. Because you can go on your phone and say, show me what's happening on the cameras in downtown Tokyo or something. We're not stupid. And there was that commercial years ago, and I keep laughing. People empower with money. They try and figure out, how else can I get more money? 
because once you have money, you don't want to stop. The American principle is you like to keep growing. But when that growth gets out of hand, I have a problem. When you have hedge funds that you've all heard about it, hedge funds buy and sell companies and do things where they have a flat tax rate generally on their income, the people who run them and own them, of 15%. The secretary who might work there has a progressive tax and can pay more on her income than the owner who makes millions or billions in a year. But what's happened is these funds, because of these great tax breaks, have so much money, they want to decide where else can we go. So these funds have been putting in to other investments. Little by little, they're buying up the whole damn country. Now, there's nothing wrong with making money and being a millionaire or a billionaire. That's what America is all about. We're all about success, free enterprise, and the rest. But when your enterprise has the power, because you've gotten rid of monopolies and conglomerates and other things, to just take over and grab any money you can. So years ago, commercials started coming out. I think it was Wentworth. They're a, a company that buys up your life insurance policy at that point. But they, these companies realize that although under insurance law, if you're not my relative or my mate or something else, you can't just take a policy out on my life and then collect it when I die. You have to have generally what's called an insurable interest. However, being clever, they figured out that if I have a policy that I have on my life, and maybe I'm older now and I don't need it, instead of my canceling it, they said, why cancel it? We'll buy it from you. So if you don't cancel it and they buy the policy, it suddenly doesn't get canceled because they don't have an insurable interest, but they'll pay you on some discounted amount on an actuarial table when they think you're going to die, and they'll collect the rest. Similarly with reverse mortgages, and don't get me wrong, reverse mortgages can be useful. You've got to go to a trusted financial advisor to understand what they do and what you could use them for. They do make sense in certain cases. So, and I've studied all this crap, so I'm not just throwing it out there from articles I've read. So what we want to do with our money, oh, let me say good morning. I see Carol Hillard Ederer. Hello, you're here. I'm happy to have you. I know you've been on lately. Mel, I really appreciate it. I'm going to try looking up that thing about the vaccine. I'll have to find the report and the page. Uh, but again, don't get me wrong. This is going to be a mass inoculation. When I was a child in the 50s in the Salk vaccine, they had to coordinate it. They didn't do a bad job of getting us all vaccinated. There were some scenarios where when you read they had to cut it off because people got very sick from it because remember I've explained the word vaccine is generally dealing with something that has a live or dead organism from the virus to make this vaccine this is different they're calling it a vaccine but it doesn't include a live or dead organism from COVID-19 it includes a message we're like sending like those science fiction movies, a pill into your body to say, hey, heart, you're not working right. I'm here to stimulate you, to wake you up. This message, this mRNA, 
messenger RNA is there to tell your body to start building antibodies for this type of garbage. Because we, the public, have spent a lot of money to study DNA and map it and figure it out. And when I say we've spent it, even companies who've gotten special write-offs on their tax returns, so we pay for that when that happens. Basically, the consumer pays for everything. So anyway, I'll look it up. Kyoko Chappie, good to see you on. Uh, miss seeing you. Hope you're well. And uh, let's see who else am I missing here. Lisa, again, uh, your parents had polio. They received the vaccine and survived. They were able to walk again. I almost died at 17 months old. This I was told by my family. Uh, one hospital told them to take me out of there. They didn't want me to die on their grounds. My father was ready to kill that guy who said it. They had nothing for it when I was 17 months old. That was in the early 40s. I survived. I have a scar on my ankle. I figured it out as I grew up. When you're a baby, it's easier to put an IV in the ankle where you can get a good vein on a baby. So that's what my scar is from, not from the polio or anything or the uh, spinal meningitis. I still don't know what they did. God wanted to keep me around for a while, so here I am many, many years later. Uh, yeah, people don't have to suffer to understand what suffering is. There are a lot of good people out there who see suffering, do something about it, try and help people. So, Lisa, happy to hear about your parents. It means that you're here because they survived, I'm assuming. And my children, my grandchild, they're here because I survived. And I hope I haven't populated the planet with people who are going to do harm. So far, my family, my kids, and the rest of it, I feel are good citizens. I, I, I beat enough into their head to make them think about what they do. So I'm happy about them. Uh, again, everybody else, if I don't mention your name, a lot of you I know over time, some of you I knew from even before. I'm happy to have you listening, and I'm hoping you're spreading the word. We're trying to get it out, because when I started this, I decided that the public has not gotten enough understanding of how our country runs, who owns what, what does the economy mean, what power do we have as a citizen. So I'm working on that, too, and we'll tell you more about it in months down the road, maybe. Uh, because I've read a lot of books in my life. I've dealt with a lot of good and bad teachers. Civics isn't always taught the way it was when we were younger. So people have to understand why our country runs the way it does. Not just go out and say, hey, I get a good job, I'm able to program or do this, and I can buy a good car. That doesn't mean the country's going to stay that way. I actually think Trump is a good wake-up call reminding us what happens if you get a crook as your chief executive and he just takes everything, puts it in his own pocket. In fact, I have letters I'm writing this weekend to one person who I think will pay attention in Congress because I've seen what she does. And she's smart enough with the right degrees to uh, pay attention that when Trump leaves office, he's going to, in effect, what he's done to our government, he's going to keep collecting money because the things he's changed and the contracts he's set up put money in his pocket, in his company's pockets. 
And that won't stop when a new president comes in. And it could take him a year or two because they'd have to straighten out the mess that he's purposely generating, not just leaving, but purposely generating. The man is going out of his way with this bill where everybody needs some help and he knows it. And the Republicans don't want to be looked at as they didn't put some money in our pockets. So the reason they're looking at maybe not signing this less than a trillion dollar bill is because they want to take away the rights of the Treasury or the Fed Reserve to make certain loans. Well, Trump didn't even understand what these things did when he got in office. And if it wasn't for people like Powell when this occurred a year ago, using his rights in the Fed Reserve to buy bonds and other things, trillions of dollars of it, it propped up the economy. Otherwise, we would have been in a recession long ago. So now he wants to take those tools away because he wants Biden to fail and say he couldn't run it. He doesn't know what he's doing. You'll bring me back. And let me say something to any Republicans out there. This man is hammering his own Republican Party. The, the governor and the secretary of state in Georgia, when Mitch McConnell needs those guys to maybe keep a little power in the Senate, I hope he doesn't get it. I hope we get those two senators in Georgia. So we balance it, and Kamala Harris won't just be the first female vice president and of color, of background, of Indian, of this. She's a person. She's educated. She's smart. Does she make mistakes like any of us do? But she's going to be the tiebreaker if there are things happening in the Senate, if we get those two guys, those senators out of Georgia. Trump, at this point, he feels he's just going to trash the Republican Party. He's collected hundreds of millions of dollars from these idiots who think he's fighting this cheating election that we took away from him. Please, he put that guy Krebs in there to control the cyber stuff that was happening with the election. Guy is smart. He did a great job. The election was clean. How many times does Trump have to lose Georgia to understand that if you count it from the front to the back, the back to the front, or sideways, you lost? I'm happy that it came out that way because the man is a loser and we're a loser when he stays in there. The extent of that is still to be understood, and I'm going to keep working on that, as I've promised. So the other interesting thing is I am Jewish. I grew up understanding my religion and even going to Hebrew school when I was a kid. I've been a, a night student since the second grade, because in Brooklyn back then, you went to Hebrew school after you finished public school, at least where I live. I didn't have it combined in one thing in a parochial school. So anyway, I've spent my life seeking to understand things, just my nature. And when people ask me if I can help, I answer them. So that's why I started doing this eventually. Our, our holiday this time of the year, which is considered our version of Christmas, you know, everybody looks at things from the commercial aspects. It's called Hanukkah. It just ended, okay? It's eight days. I used to joke with friends. I said, hey, you do Christmas, you get one day. We're smarter. We get eight days. We want a lot of presents. All jokes that I've done all my life. But Hanukkah was one of these miracles, you know, when you create somebody to be a saint because they touched someone and cured them or whatever. 
many things that are considered miracles. Well, Hanukkah was when in the old days the uh, temples were sacked, and when it came to burning the candles, they used oil in their candelabras, and the oil was always supposed to be clean, sealed oil that was virginal, let's call it, so that it was good enough for burning in the temple. Everybody has their rules. So everything was broken and done. They found in the back one little pot of oil, let's say, and that would be enough for one day generally. And they put it in and it till they could get fresh supplies after they took back the temple and the city. And this is a simplification of the holiday, of course. There's a bit more to it. But the uh, oil that they used, instead of burning for one day, burned for eight days. A lot of symbolism in everything. Uh, if you go back, uh, when it comes to the Star of David, which has nothing to do with us as a religion, it's worn. But the Star of David came off of King David's family crest. It was a breastplate. It deals with astrology when you study it, and many other things. So, uh, and there's a creature, a mythical creature that I learned about when I was younger, that supposedly inhabits the earth to protect us. And technically, you can read a whole bunch of different things from different people. There are 36 of them at any time around the planet. 36. Silly reasons for the number. 2 times 18 is 36. 18 is a number, when you translate it from the Hebrew letters, stands for like the chai that people wear, stands for life. So 18 is life. In the old days, when I was a kid, you'd wish somebody life, you'd give them a check for $18 way back when that meant something. And if you wanted to give them twice that, you'd say two times life and give them $36. Well, that's the 36 people who are roaming the planet to protect us and warn us and carry the burden on their shoulders. They call them Lamed Vovnik. And actually, those words translate to letters that translate back to these numbers. Humans have been dealing with mysticism throughout our history. And there are the 12 tribes in Judah, and then the 13th mystical with the cabal and everything. Like any other group, we have our background and our stories. Hanukkah, the word, many different translations, but it actually means dedication is one of the translations. And the reason there are many ones is the ancient Hebrew is just like ancient Latin or ancient French. There are different versions of it. So Hanukkah deals with dedication. What happened was when the Maccabees, let's call them a strong militaristic group of Jews back in the old, old days, uh, who took back the temple and everything else, and they were good fighters. And by the way, this dates back to the first and second century BCE, before the Common Era, meaning when we started counting one after the birth of Jesus and we had Christmas and New Year's and we got to where we are now at 2020. So this was the one to 200 years preceding that. So if anybody hasn't told you, that's where Hanukkah kind of started as a concept and then grew into the holiday that we use. But it was rededicating yourself 
to the principles that were taken away by the hordes who took away what we had. And again, it was the old story about living in a kingdom with a king who respected and let you practice your religion. He died, the next guy takes over, and he says, screw that. I want you all to just give me money and practice what I tell you. Life repeats itself, folks. We don't need to have it repeat itself. We need to be aware of what's going on. I'm happy to hear of the strong numbers in Georgia. I was happy to hear that they registered about 75,000 new young folks because if your birthday, your 18th birthday, occurred after Election Day, November 3rd, but before January, I believe it's the 5th, when they finalized this vote, you can vote in this runoff election. So they've got 75,000 wonderful new folks who've turned of age, and they were able to drag them in and register them. Uh, the world keeps going on. And again, by the way, the leader of the Maccabees at the beginning, interestingly, had a name that is looked at bad or good, depending on which area you're looking at. He was Judas, J-U-D-A-S, generally the spelling. Later, after Christ was born and died, resurrection, everything else, Judas became a bad name that people wouldn't use. So names are names. It depends on the person and what they do. Anyway, they keep looking around. Of course, the press and everybody wants to ask. Uh, this is a press we have that couldn't ask Trump anything. He wouldn't answer it. He'd put out people who would just give you whatever the hell he wanted you to hear. So now when they get a guy who's a regular guy who will generally talk to them, because Biden's been around serving the public for easily five decades at this point. So they expect to get more out of him. So they want to ask him, what are you going to eat for dinner on your third anniversary in the White House? I'm making that up. But the point is, if you run a country that has recently been hacked by the Russians and they want you to lay it all out on a table, what are you going to do to them? How are you going to punish them? Excuse me, let the guy get in office. Donald Trump is busy destroying the parts of government that need to work and hopefully fixing them so they're not easy to undo. So it's more malicious than falling off a cliff from George Bush Jr. and then coming in and having to stop the fall and reverse the economy to build it up. This guy wants you to find out where he unplugged things, where he rewired it, and blah, 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 so he could sit down on the side. As I've told people, Donald will open up a newsroom and get, even if he gets 10 million of his followers, 10 million, small part of the people who voted for him, to pay $10 a month to listen to him, even if for a half an hour a day he's out there saying, oh, they're doing this, they're robbing you, they're doing that. Whatever you hear this man say, Whatever he accuses people of, he's telling you what he did. Remember that, because that's his nature. So when they talk about Joe Biden, they're trying to talk about, well, what's his power? You know, this is this modern age with superpowers, the Avengers, the Marvels, the DCs. So they came up with what his superpower is. And amazingly, I kind of agree. It's an interesting superpower if you understand the word and what it means, and you really live it. They say his superpower is empathy. 
They talk about him hugging people and smelling their hair and whatever. He's a very personal guy. He's always been. He was successful in what he did in the Senate and in Congress and stuff because he got to know people and understand what motivates them. How do I get them to cooperate? So empathy is his superpower, as they like to say, because they like to have something to put out there to catch attention and get better ratings. I, I, I spent at least five years in the broadcasting industry at ABC, their headquarters in New York. So uh, let me just say this. We've been doing, because we've been growing small bits and pieces, and I'm really proud of the people who keep following, passing our name on. We do have a couple of commercials. One of them will disappear after the Georgia election. We're going to run them right now, okay? So please listen for just a, a minute or so. Uh, they help pay the bills. Otherwise, I've been paying the bill. Democrats, Georgia needs your help. You have two elections on January 5th. One is a special election for Dr. Raphael Warnock, and the second is a runoff election for John Ossoff. We need to take control of the Senate. Please go to fearfight.com and donate. Necesitamos el voto y ayudancia a Georgia. Tenemos dos elecciones para dos puestos en el Senado. El primero es la elección del Reverend Warnock y el segundo es la segunda elección for John Ossoff. Por favor, ayude la campaña. Vaya a fearfight.com y voten, voten, voten. Six Sigma Consulting starts here. Maxit Services works with governmental officials and architects to ensure that your project's permitting, planning, and financing are correctly submitted so that your project comes in on time and in budget. So take it to the max. Maxit Services Inc., your construction project needs are 866-346-3078. Of what? Okay. I think we're back. Hopefully the commercials were not too big a pain. Uh, I don't mind doing them. The one thing about permits and the rest of that, that's dealing with governments at the local level, the state level, and the rest of it, even federal if need be. But it's important. We have systems that protect us against ourselves so we don't build a building that will blow up the neighborhood. And when you understand these laws and rules, you have an easier time doing your project. Uh, so those are good companies who are consultants in effect. And when it comes to the Georgia election, if we play that piece, I want you to understand that it is so important because this is our chance to keep Mitch McConnell where he has to deal with people, okay? Now, just came across, we don't have a big newsroom. I've got the greatest technical staff on the planet. Uh, that's because... <laughs> I love her dearly. Wonderful person. We'll get into that some other time. But she keeps abreast of what's going on, and she just told me that Trump agreed, Trump agreed to close two consulates that are in Russia. Now, if you don't think that this man is under the control of Vladimir Putin, then you're really not watching things. The only reason for closing the consulates, Russia is a big territory. They have a lot more land than I believe China has, if I remember my map correctly. 
Uh, and these things are way in the borders. And one of them, I think, that I saw come across is Vladivostok, which, if I remember, is a port. And I think that's on the eastern edge of Russia. So that's a major port where they do buildups and the rest of it. And I forget where the other one was. Uh, anyhow, and then in a place just east of the Ural Mountains, again, they are important to Putin. He doesn't want us to know what he's doing. So he's getting his buddy to close these consulates. Excuse me? Well, it's easy enough to reopen a consulate, except that it depends if Moscow wants to let you when you want to reopen them. And Biden's smart enough. He's got the street smarts of a kid off the streets of Pennsylvania or any of the rest. The areas he grew up in, Scranton, working class people and stuff, and then even after that, in Delaware and some of the working class things, you learn. You learn how to make your way and live and deal with people. If you're successful, it's because you took these lessons to heart and you didn't trample these people. You worked with them. So uh, Putin's going to be in for a big surprise. He's got somebody very different. Let's wait till we see how Biden does it. And I have never, we have never as a country, never introduced his cabinet and other people who are going to be working with him before they get in office. Nobody wants to do that. Think about it. Biden was not ashamed to say, no, I'm going to hire these and these and these, and even under pressure from groups. And I keep telling people, we've been wrong about how we've racially treated people, gender-treated people, uh, sexual orientation-treated people. But when you finally get a human being who's going to be the president, don't jump on top of him. AOC has to grow up. She's a smart girl. But she has to grow up. And I don't use girl in a demeaning way. I used in my corporate days, the ladies who worked for me, they used to refer to themselves as the girls. All of them were older than I was. And I respected them. So I used their terminology. So pardon if I called her a girl. She's a woman. I have respect for girls, women, ladies, whatever you want to call them. But you want to get your team up to the mountaintop before you're picking out the drapes or the countertops or the color of your cabinets that you're going to put in your kitchen. You want to get there and establish yourself. You want to work with the team. And if anything, she should learn from Nancy Pelosi Believe me, Nancy has things she'd like to do other than what she does do. But she knows what can work. That's what you need. You need a leader who knows that they can see a pathway to get things done. Does it mean it's their favorite pathway? No. Even though I was trained as an accountant, I never sat for the CPA exam. I wasn't going to be signing anybody's stuff. I was working in corporate. I'm not signing anybody's financial. Had I done that, I would have had to keep up credits and other things while I'm studying other things. To me, CPA doesn't stand for Certified Public Accountant. It stands for Critical Path Analysis. There's more than one way to skin a cat. It's an old saying. You've got to figure out what the paths are, and you want to be able to shuck and jive, as they used to say on the streets. Lean left or right to make it happen. 
That's what Nancy's all about. I like the woman. Hey, you don't find women that look that good at 80 years old, my kind of category. Anyway, uh, Sophia Loren, one of my favorite ladies from when I was a child, gorgeous. Eartha Kitt was my second favorite lady. She's passed on, so. Anyhow, empathy is his superpower. Look the word up, think about what it means, look up psychologists with the different kinds of empathy. But empathy comes back to that term, there's that Yiddish term. Yiddish is that bastardized language, how you talk about people and you build it to mean something. It's very colorful. When they call you a mensch, it means you're a good person. They can count on you. You're going to treat them right. That's where empathy gets you. You can't be a mensch if you don't have empathy. U.S. migration. Part of my studies, I wanted to, don't get me wrong, I wanted to stay in shape all my life and stay healthy. You're not going to live long if you don't take care of yourself, or you're going to live in pain and misery. So I took courses that I considered would enrich what I knew and understood. So I took more courses in statistics and economics and blah, 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 that I know would enrich me. Part of what people don't always understand is the use of labor and the movement of it within a country. On the street level, it breaks down to well, why would I go to that town if you want to hire me? What's in it for me? That's the personal side. If you don't incentivize a human being, they're not going to go there. So our laws didn't always help what the fancy term is, labor mobility. The ease of labor moving from place A to place B or place C if we need them. Not in the army where we could just send the group and then move them somewhere else. But actual labor in the market. There are downsides because of tax laws and houses you own or sell or the rest of it. I had to deal with those questions with engineers and scientists that we use around the world because they wanted to understand what would happen to their investment. You needed them to do a project that was important, but they wanted to know. They've been working all their life. They own certain things. How is it going to harm them? So I made sure when we did this, we educated them about this. So labor mobility is the ease of shifting labor around within a country and them being willing to do it. Since 1947, a couple of years after the end of World War II, as we built up and expanded into the wonderful country that we became, it's been about 73 years. The year, the year before this year of COVID, which started kind of in March of 2020, even though we were informed, depending who was reading what tea leaves, by December of 2019. Because remember, it's called COVID-19. The 19 is for the year that they decided that COVID existed, that nouveau COVID. There are many COVIDs. Anyway, up through the beginning of 2020, those 73 years, that last year before this COVID year, was the slowest migration within the United States. We're not talking about immigrants coming here. We're talking about the movement of people within the United States. But I can tell you, because of my background and my studies and all the shit I read, because I want to know what's going on, I can't help myself. You may have seen it on the internet. There are many maps of people who, because of COVID, they're working from home. You can call up a lot of places and you find out they're working from home. They can hit the button, the computer could send you what they want, 
certain things they can't do. So guess what? This old theory of when I was still in college 30, 40 years ago about, well, can you have people work from home? Who's going to watch them? How do you know they're doing their work? This remote ability that we had because the internet was here has actually the internet to a certain extent, which we paid for. It's U.S. government funded, the people. We funded the internet. The internet and the ability for people because of all the cell phones and computers that are out there, people were able to work from home. So people didn't worry about, yeah, well, if they're not in the office, I can't beat them over the head and make sure they're at their desk working. They suddenly realized that people working from home could be productive. So there are a lot of people who don't have to get on trains or buses or ride on a car, less pollution in the air. It's giving us a little bit of a holiday in certain ways. People found out that it is practical to work remotely. Is it going to stay that way? We don't know. But if you look, there are a lot of maps on the Internet where different people are telling you about migration from this city to that city. People worried New York City was an epicenter of COVID at the beginning. So people who had the money wanted to move out. And if they were in computer technology and they could work remotely for the company, they'd move somewhere else. Uh, if they didn't like what was going on in Texas or California. So you look at these maps, it looks like those airline maps where it shows you the different flights that we can take you from one part of the country to another. There's been an interesting migration, not gigantic, but a lot of people who've kind of moved around because they said, you know what? I got a great job working for this company on computers. They don't need me in the office. I can buy a house in the middle of Wyoming in the desert and have 100 acres. Nobody around me. I didn't tell people that I hate my neighbors, but I can live in Wyoming. So we've had a lot of movement that people haven't recognized, but our economy keeps working because the support staff is there. In the old days, by the way, the internet was used by corporations to set up call centers in countries where they would pay people 10 cents an hour. And they figured more money in their pocket. They ruined part of the job market here. Okay? That's another whole discussion. So U.S. migration the year before COVID was down at its lowest point. People moving around in the country. Lowest point in 73 years from 1947. It's 47. There was still a lot of activity. People back from the war building things, settling in. Another thing that's interesting that hit me, again, remember Donald Trump cut off the finishing of the uh, census because he wanted to have more control over what happened. I've talked about it way back at the beginning of my podcasts that the Republicans gave somebody about 10 or $20 million who came to them, said, <clears throat> give me this money and I'm going to use the 2010 census. And this was years ago. I think the guy even died recently. But he understood that if you go to the local level, get more people in city councils, on state and local legislators, you could have more control. That's where that understanding recently of minority control, these places that have a minor part of our overall population who are controlling what's happening in our Congress. Because as anybody knows, when it comes to the Senate, Every state has two senators. 
So if you're Rhode Island and you're tiny, you have two senators. If you're California and you're the number one population center on the planet, our planet, the United States, and you have 40 million people, you still only have two senators. So as a group of people, you're underrepresented, whereas in the House of Representatives, they cut up those 438, I think is the number. They cut up those representatives based on the census count of population. So Trump knew that if you don't count in these cities where they're more liberal and they have undocumented and other things, you won't get these numbers that are skewed to what we don't want. So that's why he told them to stop. Interestingly enough, the Supreme Court, which he likes to look to because he figured he put three people in, they better do what he wants. They've been punishing him because they know what the law is when he's been bringing these cases on election fraud where he has zero proof. If you go in court and you allege fraud and you have nothing to prove it, they're going to kick your ass out. You're wasting their time and our money. So the Supreme Court recently, he went there for a rollback of some of the rights that came on the LBG, LBGTQ, if I've got all the letters right. Pardon me, I've had friends in each one of these categories throughout my life. And people deserve to live. They cut him down on that. They said, no, 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 those rights stay. His Supreme Court, he thought. But they just decided another case that I was kind of surprised because of how they've been acting in the last few months, where they decided he doesn't have to count the undocumented immigrants that are in the country. The Constitution says we're going to take a survey every 10 years. It says nothing about counting, only citizens. This is a lousy decision. It makes no sense. But some of the numbers that have been projected, because, you know, we keep saying we're about 330 million, they think the numbers are going to roll up at around 336 million people. It's more important how this is broken down and the representation. So as I said, we have an opportunity in Georgia to pick up two Senate seats that will actually stop Mitch McConnell from only bringing bills to the floor that he likes or that means something to his donors. That's no way to run an airline, as the saying was. So let's all hope that Georgia keeps voting the way they're voting, because a lot of people are turning out for this off-year election. I don't like the term off-year. Every election matters. The people who are running in your state, your city, those are the people who you are under. Those are the people who tell you what to do, not the president. So you want to make sure you vote in every damn election and understand what these people stand for. So that's population. Putin, as I said, it just came across, thanks to my technical, wonderful staff. That's a person, but a full staff. Anyway, uh, I told you about the closing of the two consulates. Here's Putin after he's invaded our system. He's in all of our stuff. And by the way, that doesn't mean we discovered it. We could just turn it off. These programs on the solar wind, I think, is the system that it's under. They're being used to run companies and departments. We've got to make some serious decisions on what we have to change or go after. And you know what? 
Joe Biden will show him what it means to be in a fight with somebody who doesn't like to be stabbed in the back. I guarantee it. Watch him in the first few months. You'll see. So Putin has gotten diplomats and intel where he's been using these high frequency like microwaves where we've had them in Cuba and China where these people have come back with headaches and uh, conditions and some of them really got disabled from these things. They've been testing secret weapons on our diplomats and other people. The Taliban, they clearly, we have absolute evidence that the Russians have offered the Taliban $100,000 for every American they kill. Uh, maybe if they offered Trump a million dollars for every American he protected, he would pick his ass up and do something to protect our troops. He's not a leader. He's a crook. Whatever puts money in his pocket is all he's worried about. The Democratic National Committee, their computers were hacked. We know it. It's in the goddamn congressional records at this point. In 2016, do you hear that the Russians hacked the Republican National Committee? It isn't because they had a better system. They wanted Donald to win. So they went after the Democrats. They gave you any kind of bullshit so that you maybe would say, well, she's a crook. Why would we vote for her? Because he's a bigger crook. If I were a Democrat, I would have been repeating that constantly. You see that guy trailing me around in the debate? He's a crook. He can't stand to go sit down. He wants to be in the limelight all the time. Deep hacking with solar winds. They've been in every department. Every department. They know where we keep our nuclear things. They know what we're planning. The memos that go from this to that. If they'd ever asked me to come in, it's my government, I'd be happy to tell them ways because I've thought about this as the internet grew because of departments I ran. I knew there was all, always material that you consider sacred within your company. It doesn't mean it's highly technical or nuclear capabilities or whatever, but it helps your company have an edge. You have to understand how you can isolate these things so nobody can touch them. So we'll see where all that goes. As I said, the Supreme Court has been helping them. A couple of things I didn't get to last week that I want to mention. Uh, lack of testing. Remember, he said, we're going to have so many tests, and anybody who wants a test can get it. Promises made, promises broken. He never intended to keep them. He'd have to spend money. That's the money that's in his cookie jar, our treasury. He's depraved. So what he says and what he does, look at what he does like anybody you deal with on the streets. Biden has asked everybody that for the first 100 days, now how difficult is that? That's like three and a half months. We've been living for a year with a man who isn't getting the vaccine. Look at the vaccines. They're not even getting shipped properly. And he said he's got it controlled. He got the best guy in the army with logistics. We're going to take care of it. The shipments aren't going out. There are vials of this vaccine sitting in warehouses right now that are not being shipped out yet, and it's not because of the weather. Then, the Russian media, as I said, I think I may have mentioned it toward the end of last week, the Russian media has announced that they think Putin should grant asylum to Trump. 
Now, the Russian media is controlled by Putin. If they announced it, that's what Putin's saying. You can always come home, Boychik. We'll take you in. Trump will never go to Russia because he knows once he goes there and he's not president here, they just want to contain him so he can't tell us what Russia has on him because he'll be a prisoner in a nice house. Period. As I said, the day before he gets out of office, I would not be shocked that he gets on one of his Trump planes and flies to Brazil because Bolsonaro will give him shelter, and I don't think we have any extradition with Brazil yet. U.S. jobless claims. Last week I was going to announce, and I didn't get to tell you, that we'd already cracked over 800,000 new jobless claims. The numbers are going the wrong way. This is Trump who tells you what a great economy he made. He didn't do shit. He took over an economy that was great. He didn't know how to control it when there was some thing that occurred that needed leadership. He's never been a leader. The only thing he leads is getting out of the room first in case it's blowing up. Lastly, coal country. He had them, well, I'm going to bring coal back. We're going to use coal. I'll give you two things on that. One, coal country has lost a lot of business. He's done nothing for these people. That's another promise he made that he didn't keep. If you want to be promise makers, promise whatever, this man lies to you to get your vote. Wake up. I will tell you, when they talk about us scientifically as a creature, we are a carbon-based creature, okay? Carbon is intimate to our chemistry, our biology, our technology, everything. Steel uses it, uh, building things. Carbon will not disappear. Coal, we need to change how we use it, what we do, and make sure we cut down on the pollution. Those things are achievable, major ways. I've been working on that for decades myself, and I think I found an answer. But anyway, when it comes to carbon, we need it. We need it, we need it, we need it. And I'm not talking just for pencils or what's called brushes inside of a motor, because there are brushless motors and stuff, technology changes, but carbon is important to our survival and our technology. I wouldn't be surprised, well, I even see one commercial where they talk about C60, carbon 60. It's a necessary supplement that you should be eating. Hey, so maybe we'll crush the coal and sell it to people as a supplement. Whatever it is, we just have to keep it out of our ear. Oh, Minnesota lawmaker Jerry Ralph died on Friday of complications from coronavirus. He was a senator. So there's going to have a little hole, but he was a state lawmaker. I don't think he was in the U.S. Senate. Trump is funding the general, uh, the Georgia runoffs. But the PAC is spending none of it on the candidates. He had three, four hundred million dollars. He's collected enough from these idiots that he said was because they stole the election. He's stealing your money when you give it to him, putting it in a PAC that's paying off his debts. He never pays off his debts. He's only paying off some of the ones to countries that he wants to still help him. That's it. I'm almost done. So again, whether he's clueless or not, Mel, I get it. Uh, Lisa, uh, my daughter, most of her friends work from home. I'm glad. 
I'm glad my kids are much smarter than I am when it comes to technology. So share this stream with anybody you've got. We're working on something where we want to put something out there that what I talk about, I'm not an economist who works for major stock exchanges, major companies or credit cards. I'm an economist for the working people. I want them to understand the economic power we have. Okay, We don't have to take over the government, but boy, can we exercise a lot of power if we understand how to work together. So I want to thank you all for tuning in again this week. Uh, I'm going to sign off because I think I've run out of time. And I'll look forward to seeing you next week. And if we're lucky, maybe my alter ego will be here to entertain you with more interesting sounds than come out of my mouth. But I really, I appreciate all of you. Just remember, AE, the word equals, SQ squared, I mean MC squared, okay, is on uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook. And again, email me at AE, the word equals, then MCSQ at gmail.com. I'm open. Send me stuff. We'd appreciate it in the near future when we get past this president. We'll see if we can get some interesting guests so you won't just hear me babbling. Thank you all. Have a great weekend.